Hey everyone, we have with us tonight an Arizona native and a University of Notre Dame graduate. He attended the university from 2012 through 2016, had a very successful collegiate career, which followed an extremely successful high school career, where this guest won a state doubles title in both his freshman and sophomore year, along with a state singles title in both his junior and senior year. In fact, he lost only one singles match in his entire high school career. He's currently ranked 181 in the world in doubles, where his 2018 highlights include winning the Granby Canada Challenger title back in July. Please welcome to the pod, Alex Lawson. Alex, thank you uh, for spending some time tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Uh, Let's cut right to it. I mean, you had an amazing high school career. All right, crazy good. Doubles titles, your freshman, sophomore singles titles your junior senior year but if you can if it does not hurt too much can you take us back on that one day on the singles court where for the only time in your high school career you did not come up on the winning side of things and and by the way let me preface let me preface this i promise i won't fact check anything uh, about what Uh, you're you're gonna say so feel free to embellish anything you want man okay yeah so i remember it was uh roger federer he was uh sophomore year actually um, yeah no so I do remember the match really well uh, I, although it wasn't against Federer he was he was a pretty good player I think I want to say it was either my junior or sophomore year it must have, no, it must have been junior year because uh, I was I think 16 at the time I just came back from uh, a sectional tournament in El Paso Texas and I guess if, if you know anything about El Paso, Texas, it's not it's not the best place to go play tennis or just hang out. <laughs> so I guess I was a little tired. I think it was like maybe a, a Monday match, and we were on the road. I don't know. I mean, the, the guy's a great player, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he just got the better of me that day, and uh, I just I came off of a, a win in the the sectional tournament in El Paso, so I was feeling good about my game too. I guess. Uh, too good by him that day, you know? Did you ever get to play him again? Do you remember? I don't think I did, honestly. And he, I don't think he played college tennis. Um, you know, he was maybe like a three-star level player. Oh, he retired so, after he beat you, man. That was the last match he ever played. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. Obviously, we we get rid of the negative first on this on this podcast, and then we go positive off from there. So, yeah, I like that. Um, really incredible career, man. I mean, that's ridiculous. You won four state titles, and uh, again, only one loss your entire high school career. So, yeah, thank you. Let's kind of um, go back a ways. You know, you you turned pro in 2016, so you've been on tour for over two years now. But before we get into your pro career, why don't you walk us through your background? how you got started in the sport. Um, just doing some research on your bio, shout out Notre Dame Athletics website, by the way. Um, you come from an extremely athletic family. Your, your mom played college tennis at, at both Indiana and Arizona State University. Your sister plays at DePaul. Your grandfather um, and uncle played basketball at Arizona State. One played in the ABA, I believe, right? Was that your grandfather? Yeah, that's, that's correct. He, he played for a number of different teams uh, in the ABA. Wow, and you have several other relatives that that played collegiately. Um, you you could not be the one to disappoint them all. So, little pressure. But how'd you get into uh, starting the sport? Yeah, so I guess I mean obviously my mom's side, especially there's there's a lot of athletes there, and there's some some potential size. Also, my grandpa's 
I think around like six foot eight. Um, both of my uncles are as well. So I guess depending on how big I turned out, they thought I was going to be either basketball or baseball or something. Uh, and I, I played uh, a bunch of different sports growing up, pretty much everything except uh, football. But um, yeah, I guess tennis-wise, just my mom's side of the family was, was super into it. My mom, obviously, uh, playing in the school. And uh, she's been she's been teaching tennis as well. So I guess I just kind of had a racket in my hand ever since, uh, pretty much ever since I could walk or, or wield a racket. So it was just pretty natural. Did you grow up like around tennis courts or park or country club or you yeah. had easy access to courts, I assume? Yeah, so I mean we had, there was a little park with just two courts that was, you know, like 200 yards from our house. I remember we would go over there all the time. And then in addition to that, the the country club that my mom uh, was helping out teaching at was maybe, I don't know, five minute drive from our house. So I would, I would pretty much go with her in summers, especially I would go with her in the morning and just kind of be at the club all day. So just around the courts, you know? Perfect. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously I would figure with, with the athletic background that you had probably had uh, access to numerous courts, numerous coaches, um, whether it was family members or outside family members, but um, could tell that the family loves the game of tennis. So you obviously had an unbelievable high school career. We've stressed that plenty of times already. Um, when you were looking at competing collegiately, what schools were really aggressive in, in trying to recruit you? What were you? What what schools were you really interested in? And at the end of the day, why did uh, Notre Dame win out? Yeah. Uh... Of, for the uh, official visits there at the end. Uh, I only actually ended up taking four of them and then because Notre Dame was my fourth one and I kind of just called it after that and was like, I, I definitely want to come here. But uh, yeah, so to start off, I was I was looking at a lot of like the bigger schools kind of. Uh, Arizona State actually cut the, the men's program when I was finishing eighth grade, I believe. So... For the whole recruiting process, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't look at going close to home at, at ASU um, as much as I probably wanted to. You know, I grew up going to those matches, and it was a lot of fun seeing that. Which I guess is probably my goal was always sort of college tennis. Um, I guess I did have the pro tennis goal too, but that was it. Just seemed like more of like a like a reach, I guess. Right. Whereas college tennis seemed like something that I could set the sights. You know, I, I want to play you know, high in the lineup, and that, that really just seemed like something attainable, so um, I wanted to go to Arizona State, they cut the program, and then at that point I had to start looking elsewhere, so I was talking to, you know, places all over, uh, Virginia Tech was one of them, um, Washington a little bit, just just kind of all over the map, and then the, the schools that I ended up having my visits set for were uh, Iowa, Northwestern, LSU, Notre Dame, and then uh, Mississippi State. So I took the visits and then made the decision. Were you uh, at Notre Dame during a football weekend? Yeah, they, they brought me and We actually had a big group of guys. We had, I think it was, in addition to myself, four other recruits in that week. And it was uh, they were playing USC oh. at night. <laughs> uh, it, was, yeah, it was crazy. That, that's the atmosphere was unreal. So I'm was a lot of fun. sure they probably did that on purpose. That's great. So, um, yeah. 
I, I, you know, I'm in the Chicago area, as you know, and it, it is on my bucket list. I cannot believe I haven't been to one of those football games yet. I do want to go. No, you haven't been yet. I, I was lu- look. I've been lucky enough to be. Uh, I, I attended the University of Kansas, as you also know. So I've been to the the mecca of college basketball, but right. Notre Dame for some reason I've had opportunities, and it's just for one reason or another has not worked out. But I it's, it is on the bucket list, and I definitely will. We'll we'll have to attend because yeah the, we got to get you out there definitely uh, yeah we'll we'll get it done so we'll make a little exchange I'll bring you in for a football game and you bring me into Allen Fieldhouse for, for a basketball game all right we'll we'll work that out we'll work that out okay. <laughs> um so uh, your career in Notre Dame you were there all four years you had tremendous success um, again a, a lot of emphasis in the success in the doubles. Arena, you were the 2016 ITA Doubles All-American. You were a 2016 NCAA Doubles Championship semifinalist. You were 2016 USTA ITA National Indoor Intercollegiate Championships Doubles semifinalist. The list goes on and on. Um, again, shout out Notre Dame Athletics website for listing all these accomplishments that you had. Um, what what was it? Obviously, the recruiting the recruiting visit kind of knocked your socks off and saying, you know what, I'm so fired up to to attend here and play here. Talk a little bit about your experiences at the University of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, so I guess, honestly, compared to some of the other schools I visited, um, I mean, I won't single any of them out, but it was it just seemed like the, the atmosphere on the team and the relationship that all the guys sort of had with each other was a lot stronger, and uh, it just felt a lot more cohesive. Like, they really, you know, cared about one another, and it, it just felt like something I wanted to be a part of. And I guess, in addition to that, the coaches, uh, fantastic. Uh, Ryan Satry, who's currently the head coach, I think he's he's an amazing coach. Um, and they really look at actually developing players, whereas I, I, know, I feel like some, some of the other powerhouse uh, tennis schools, you know, they, they, they get the great recruits, but what do they, what do, they do with them? So... I think that was that was a big uh, focus for me, and then in addition to all of that, you have a, a pretty storied, I think, uh, academic reputation. So, uh, just it was pretty much the full package, at least in my eyes. You know. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. Did you know? Yeah. Were you friends with any other other members of your recruiting class that year? Um, going into school, well, yes, actually. So, uh, Nico Montoya. Uh, grew up in Scottsdale, and I've known him since we were probably 14. We, we played doubles together all the time in the national and sectional tournaments. Um, and then I knew Quentin Monahan. Um, I mean, not as well, obviously, but fairly well. We we played in juniors a couple times. And then uh, Kenny Sabasinski also. I, I played him and knew of him. And then the the fifth, the fifth guy was from Switzerland, so no idea who that Got was. It. But with the other four guys that you were familiar with, at least the other uh, recruit from the Arizona area, how does that work? Were you guys, I was interested in how you guys all, did you did you text back and forth? Did you have phone calls, group texts, whatever, just kind of getting feelers out with each other, or it was kind of all independent decisions by you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, so I guess uh, in the case of Montoya, that was a little bit different. He, he sort of always knew he was planning on going there. Um, so I guess he helped recruit me a little bit, honestly, and um, kind of sell me on the idea, at least to get the, the visit set up. And he, you know, he was big on talking up uh, head coach Satchery, and you know uh, that was that 
pretty helpful. But as far as the other ones go, honestly, we didn't really talk a whole lot until after we had committed, I would say. Okay. I'm always curious yeah. to see if guys kind of, because now you see it on social media all the time, whether it's tennis program, right. football program, basketball, other guys trying to recruit um, people to join them in their recruiting classes. So thanks for sharing right. that. Uh, again, you had a, a great, great experience at Notre Dame. So you turn pro after graduation. You're having a lot of success in the doubles arena. You won several futures titles in 2017. I already mentioned the Granby Canada Challenger title in 2018. Great accomplishment there. Talk a little bit about the Pro Tour, the adjustments, any crazy experiences, um, differences between college. Kind of just give us uh, yeah. your your pro tennis primer from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely, it's definitely a little different. I think there's a college tennis was really good, and I think that at least Notre Dame did a great job of getting me prepared to go on tour. But I just think there's, you know, some things that you just can't really be prepared for. Like, it's just the weekend and week out sort of grind of it, you know, being on the road for, I think, my first year. I, I played a pretty heavy schedule. I think I played over 35 tournaments. It was on the road for at least 40 weeks uh, that year. And, I, you know, that's just in college, the season. The season is a bit of a grind in college as well, but it's just it's different, you know. You're on the road sometimes, but you play a lot of home matches as well. Right, and so, it's contained for just a few months, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess that was one thing. It's just, you know, as, in addition to the, the physical grind of it, it's, it's mental more than anything else, I think. Right. Um, but, I mean, having said that, it's a lot of fun. You get to go to a lot of cool places, and uh, or at least unique places, you know. I think first year on tour, a lot of guys sort of uh, go with the play where they try and find a little bit of quick points and you know you go to a place like Egypt or uh, Turkey or something like that where they have tournaments just pretty much non-stop all year um, which I think is a it's a it's a pretty cool experience you know going to a place like that you just set up shop for three or four weeks in a row right. and just uh, it, it's interesting you know now are you traveling with a, a core group of guys when you do this or are you all kind of taking an independent schedule? Obviously you don't know who's going to advance further in a tournament, right. who's going to not advance. But when you're doing this, because obviously the cost of pro tennis um, is very, very expensive. And as you're starting in these levels, um, the question for me, especially when a guy is, you're not, you're not at this stage yet, Alex, but especially when a guy is 28, 29, 30, 31, and he's basically played on the Futures and Challenger tours his whole career, my question is, how do they afford it? Because it's not like when you're 28, 29, 30, you're not considered a prodigy. Any um, national federation that may be helping you out when you're younger is probably not supporting you as much. Um, I don't know, talk a little bit about through that, how you manage costs and and all the travel. Yeah, I mean, for me at least, there was a lot of just trying to save money the first time. Especially in the first year on tour, um, I, I mean, I remember my very first tournament. Actually, I took an air mattress with me, and I had talked to these guys ahead of time. It was at it was at Wake Forest, but I didn't know the guys. They just said they had an open uh, bedroom in their you know little dumpy kind of college house. Right. And I get I get there, and turns out it's, it's literally just a bedroom. It's just four walls and door. No bed, so I set up the air mattress on the floor, but I didn't, you know, I forgot to bring, like, blankets and a pillow, so <laughs> literally just, you know, I didn't sleep, like, at all that night. I woke up at, like, 5 a.m., went to Walmart, bought a $5 blanket and a pillow, 
and I was just, you know, absolutely grinding that week, um, grinding for food, just everything like that. So the glorious so, life yeah. of a the glorious life of someone yeah. trying to make it on the professional tennis tour. I, I love stories like that because that doesn't get the headlines. What gets the headlines are yeah. top fifty, top one hundred guys. Um, this is this is reality. This is this is reality, folks. What Alex is sharing with us, and uh, I appreciate yeah. I appreciate you telling us stories like this. No, I remember distinctly, like waking up at three a.m. and there were like bugs crawling on me in, the, in this freezing cold room, and I was I, I kind of loved it. Though honestly, it was you know not the, the specifically the bugs crawling on me, but just the feeling like you're kind of embracing the grind a little bit. Well, I think that's what you have to do, right, in order to make it, right? Or else you're just going to yeah, get definitely. totally mentally fatigued with it. And, and, hey, Alex, you're describing a situation in, in the United States. I mean, there's you've heard god-awful stories um, when people are traveling way beyond home of yeah, what they have to sure. do to try and to stay and play tennis tournaments. So really sure. appreciate you sharing that. Give me, if you don't mind, give me a, like, a day in the life of Alex Lawson on practice day. You could even do it today in the off-season. And then give us uh, a day in the life on on match day. I know that's a little a little vague yeah, because sure. you don't know what time you're going to be going on court. Obviously, it's easier right. to do when you're first on. But uh, if you can kind of yeah. walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, as far as when we're at tournaments goes for doubles guys, I think it, it's maybe a little different because we don't know when we're going to play. Really, they make the draw on Sunday afternoon, and then. It's basically each evening they send out the schedule. So we could either play as doubles plays. We could either start on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Uh, I, I think I mean I've had a Thursday start before. So it's just you don't you don't know until really the night before if you're going to play the next day. Right. So that can make sort of practicing figuring out your schedule a little bit of a challenge. But um, yeah, I guess as far as practicing at tournaments goes, we usually I, I like to get a lot of reps in um, at the tournaments, I think. I don't know if that's, like, the reputation, but I know some guys like to joke with me um, that I'm sort of taking up all the practice courts sometimes. But, um, yeah, I like to get at least, uh, you know, one or two sessions in practice-wise and then uh, gym if possible. Um, And then I guess when I'm not at tournaments, you know, I'm either if I'm at home or if I'm at Notre Dame training, I like to do the same sort of just maximize um, court time and then get in the gym once a day. So uh, it, it is, it's a pretty full schedule, you know, but I, I think it should be. If you're, you know, what, what would I be doing if I, if I wasn't playing tennis? I would have a job where I'm working nine to five. So right. I feel like you should be putting in similar hours, if not more than that, you know, as a professional athlete. Understood, understood. Um it's it's always tricky to me on match day, and then because the the food and the warm up. I mean, it's not like you guys are just sitting around. Then you go on court. You guys have a specific warm up routine, stretching routine that takes time. And if you don't know, if you think right. a match is going to be over, you know, in doubles you can kind of uh, measure it a little bit because even if they split, then they play the super breaker. But in singles, um, you think you may be going on in five minutes, and all of a sudden it goes to a whole new third set, and that third set can go late seven six in the third, and now you're an hour. Yep. or more longer it's it's one sport i don't know too many sports that have it where you don't know when you're gonna actually get out there and that's challenging just eating wise and and again warming up wise but um your opponent obviously has that same situation so it's right. not just like one yeah. party has to deal with it we 
were talking about that, like just a few other players at, at a tournament one time. I remember just sort. I mean, because we're we think we're gonna play. Someone's up a set in a break serving at five four, and then next thing you know, it's like six all in the third, an hour and a half later. Yep. I I just don't know if there's any other sport where the guys are sitting around, sort of waiting, you know, not knowing. Sometimes within a few hours, even of what time they're gonna play. Right. It's. I mean. But having said that, I don't know what the alternative is. I don't know how else they, they could do it. So, Right. I mean, they're not going to have a bazillion courts open. And, and then obviously with attendance and ticket prices, they're not going to throw uh, Roger Federer on court 13 somewhere. So, right, right. And it, it gets accentuated even when, let's say, at a slam in a fifth set where, well, they're changing it now. But some of these slams, they play it out in the fifth, obviously. So yeah. you have no idea when you're getting on. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a good thing that, yeah, no, I definitely agree, and I think the players agree as well. So, we're we're what are we mid December? So you're gearing up for 2019. Um, I'm gonna ask you for your goals, but I want to throw out a goal out to you. Um, a lot of people don't know, but you've teamed up with good friend of yours, Jackson Winthrow, in a few tournaments before. And for those that don't know, Jackson Winthrow actually won a, a big ATP tournament in Delray Beach, a tournament that I've been fortunate enough to to cover from a media perspective the last few years. I'm looking forward to getting there out again in February. Um, but Jackson won there with Jack Sock. So for me, yep. you know, you've been on the pod. Jackson has not been on the pod. I want you to talk to Jackson, and I want you playing with Sock. It doesn't have to be in Delray, but I want you playing with Sock at least one tournament in 2019. You play the deuce side. I know you're comfortable on the deuce side. We know Jack. He plays the ad side. He just rips forehands. I I don't see any downside of it whatsoever. You going to make that happen? Yeah, yeah. Why not? You know, um, I know they're they're really good friends. Obviously, they kind of grew up playing together, um, and they've known each other for a while. But uh, Jack, yeah, Jackson sort of became one of my better friends on tour. Uh, we played our first couple tournaments uh, right out of school together. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll try and get my foot in the door there. It's know? record. It's on. It's on. You know, this is live now, so it's out there. He's got to let you know. We put the pressure <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, seriously, what are your goals in 2019? Yeah, um, it's interesting. I think uh, in the past, I I would actually before the year started set goals of what I kind of want to be ranked um, at the end of the year or whatever, how many points I want to have. But I. I sort of taking a different approach to that this year um going off of the uh the eric buderak mentality i I don't know if you know who that is but uh basically i'm 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 keeping the goals a lot more short term now and uh things that are you know within my control so you know if i said like okay i want to finish the year at uh you know top hundred I could I could play really well, and I could feel like I got a lot better at tennis, and you know, win a lot of matches. But some things are just out of your control. You know, that, that might just might not happen. So uh, I'm sort of just setting goals day to day right now and week to week as far as uh, things I want to improve on in my game, and just taking it as it comes. So that's yeah, I right yeah now. one I I do know who Eric Pudrak is, and and two, um, you know I. What I work on with my kids, and it's easier said than done, but you always want to be more process-oriented than just outcome-oriented, and kids have the hardest time of that because they just want to focus on winning. 
um, winning every single match they play. And as you yep. get better, that gets harder. They, some of these kids think, oh, if I can just this good, you know, I can do A, B, and C. As you get better, you play higher levels. It gets harder and harder. Um, right. So what, what I try to convince with my kids is, hey, just get better. Get better every day, and then the results will come as a byproduct of getting better every right. single day. And if you view it yeah. that way, you kind of, like what you were saying, you take it out of um, you take all the guesswork out of it and you only focus on what you can possibly control. And if you um, focus on what you can control and get better a little bit every day, good things will happen as a, as a, as a byproduct of that. But that, that's, again, yeah. e- a lot easier said than done. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you say you're, the, the kids are having trouble with that, but that, I mean, that's something I still have trouble with, you know, is sort of focusing in on the goals, but uh, the process, yeah. Well, hey, you know, we've been going around 25 minutes. I know you are still in your training phase, um, getting ready for the New Year's. So I wanted to thank you, Alex. This was a lot of fun, and I appreciate you and, and all our guests sharing sharing your stories and experiences. Um, I know you're gearing up along with training. You're gearing up for a huge BCS playoff semifinal game against the Clemson oh, Tigers. Yeah. Any thoughts on that one? Um, you know, there's. I just want to say there's a lot of haters out there. Um, you know we know that going in so um, I think people are going to be a little bit surprised I think the spread is something like we're like 11 point underdogs right now at least I don't know but um, yeah I don't know just Clemson better bring it that's all I got to say All right, and lastly before we before we leave, I know um, you, you were pretty well known for this. I know it's kind of been inactive for about a year, but we got to bring this back. Your Twitter parody account, can I tell them the, the, the Twitter handle? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's appropriate. We, we do things appropriate here. It's called Poo, P-O-O, that's P as in Paul, O-O underscore tennis. It's very, very funny. Alex, why don't you talk a little bit about that, and, and you definitely got to bring that back. Yeah, I was going to say, it wouldn't be a, a podcast appearance without without that getting mentioned, I would say. So, um, I actually, you know, it was it was dormant for, I think when I when I left school, it was dormant for a little while. And then, I, you know, I still have the password, like it's still logged in on my phone, I just don't really go on there. Right. But I remember, I went back on last year during, um, I think when they were having the national indoor tournaments, I was, I was at a challenger in Italy. And just kind of bored, like at night in the room, sitting there watching the uh, the live stream of National Indoors, and sort of like live tweeting some of the matches. And the responses I would get from like other people who you know just people following, they would tweet after I would say something, they would respond and be like, "Man, whoever took over the Poo Tennis account is so much less funny now. <laughs> need to bring Alex back." And I was like, "Oh my god, I, I got to stop this." Well, hey, I mean, I know with 2019, we talked about your goals, but let's make this one a specific one. Let's get this back up and running. All right, yeah, that's, that's easy enough. I'll make it happen. All right, man. Hey, Alex, I, um, thanks a lot, man. This was, this was fun. I appreciate it. Best of luck to you um, personally and professionally going forward, and, and we all look forward to, to watching your success. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Talk to you soon, Alex. All right, take care. Bye. University of Notre Dame grad, Alex Lawson, really funny kid. Um, if you ever have a chance to meet him, go up, introduce yourself. He's got a lot to offer, and we all look forward to watching him uh, moving forward. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we will 
be back soon with a another podcast. Thanks. Thanks.